Good evening. We're continuing the Path to the Just series. Last uh, week we finished uh, chapter 13, and today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll start chapter 14. Uh, if you remember, the, the last few words that we spoke about in the last lecture was uh, when, uh, about the desire that a person has to, to do all kinds of uh, decrees on himself. You know, torturing himself, fasting, or, uh, or people that, uh, you know, that do not wash themselves, do not take care of their body, all kinds of things. And he's thinking this is the right way to get closer to God. At the same time, we spoke about people who are addicted to the pleasure and to all the food and all these things. And we gave example from the Talmud of people who lived in this world, they have everything, but they really didn't enjoy it. Only from what they really needed for their test in front of Hashem. And today, chapter 14, it's called Chelke Aprishut. It's a breaking into pieces the what we call prishut. Poresh means going out. You have a group and they do something bad and the person is a part of the group. He doesn't want to continue there, so he takes he takes himself out of the negative. That's called prishut. Some people live in their entire life in this prishut by excluding themselves from society, from uh, places where they grew up or from places that they live in, knowing these places are putting them down spiritually. It's better to stay away from this area, even though sometimes it looks like they maybe lose money and all kinds of things, but eventually it helps them spiritually, and that's, of course, the most important thing. Uh, so today uh, I would like to describe some of the... There are three different categories when we speak about pre-shoot. There's a pre-shoot in anaot, in pleasures, that a person excludes himself from the general pleasures that the world has to offer. There's pre-shoot bedinim, and a person is excluding himself from the average people who follow the laws of the Torah, but he wants to be more extreme, uh, above their requirements. And there's prishut baminagim, and there's a person that excludes himself from the general customs of, of Orthodox Jews, they live according to the Torah, but he wants to be more strict in the way he behaves, in his customs, in, in every day in his life. There are three different kinds of, of prishut. So it says like this, the rule is that a person should understand that he has to take from this world only what he really needs to fulfill his mission in life, not what he wants. With the help of the Satan and the evil inclination, the eyes of a person has no end to how much it wants. Everything he sees, he wants. Everything other people have, he's jealous, he wants. He sees food, he wants three times more than what he can eat. You know, so if you go by the eyes or what the desire of the person, it will never be enough. Whatever money he's going to have, he's always going to be hungry for more. No one ever got full from having a lot of money. Even when a person logically understands that he has enough money to live, for, not only for the rest of his life, if he lived 500 years straight, he still have plenty of money without working, but somehow he ne is never full. See, a person is never full of whatever what he has. So obviously we are talking what you need, not what you want. And uh, also, 
desire for women, desire for clothing, desire to walk around, trips, to see things, curiosity, all these things, most of the time make more, much more damage than help. Of course, you know, a person lives with his wife, he has desire, whatever, that's not a sin. But even that too much is a sin, too much. Once he crosses the red line, that's already too much. A person wants to see once in a while a little bit the beauty of the world. No, fine. If that's what makes him happy, fine. But there are people who it's become their whole life every week. Different tour, different trip, these pictures, talking. That's also another purpose in life, to enjoy from once in a while, yes, but to become addicted to it, it's not good. Prishut Badinim, when it comes to the laws, that a person will always take the strict side. He has a rule. There's arguments between two giants, Chachamim. He always will take the most extreme side. He doesn't want to take any risk. Like this, by me taking always the extreme, I know I will never make a sin. I will always do the worst comes to worst. I did more than what I have to. Right? If a person has a doubt how much his boss wanted him to walk today, seven hours or nine hours, right? If he'll walk seven hours and tomorrow will find out that he wanted him to walk nine hours, he did not fulfill his mission. If he walked nine hours and in the end he found out it's, it was supposed to be seven hours, no, so he lost two hours, but at least he fulfilled his mission for sure. There's many, many examples like this in life. So it says like this. Uh, sometimes, however, when a person thinks he's going to the strict side, in the long run, if you look at the entire picture, he actually went to the lenient side. Because a person has to think, to take everything to consideration. You know, sometimes, for instance, a person may do something that extreme, a little bit more strict, but then the impact that he will have on people around him will be so negative that it can cause Chilul Hashem, or he can bring them down or people would translate it as you think that you are better than us, all kinds of things like this. A person has to look at the entire picture. The prophet Yechezkel, this is what he says, My soul is not getting any impurity, any tum'ah. What is it? The prophet says, God, you know that every animal that was slaughtered and then after it's ladder, you know, you check the, the animal, the lung, that makes sure that it's glad kosher. Sometimes there's a doubt. There's a question. You have to come to a big chacham, an expert, to check the lung or to check if it's kosher, if it's smooth, not smooth. The word smooth, it always depends who you ask. Some people would say it's very smooth. Some say it's smooth. Some say it's not so smooth. It's a matter of opinion sometimes. So everything there was a doubt, I didn't touch it. Like for me, when I bring a tefillin for people, right? So sometimes when they finish the tefillin, they put it in a computer, the computer search the tefillin, and sometimes the computer say, check row three, word five, second letter, second and third, maybe they attached, they too close. So you have to bring it to an expert, you check, you say kosher. So that's it, so they continue the search. So I have a rule with my software, anything that had a question, any doubt, whatever, even though in the end it was perfectly kosher. Just the fact that he had a question, don't want to touch it. Don't bring it to me, Give it, sell it somewhere else, I don't buy it. So that's the rule. Not that it's not kosher, it's kosher, 
if for a few more dollars we can be more on a safe side that there was no question asked. So every computer come with a check. It says lo nirshemu e'arot. No comments were made by the check, by the scanning. No comments. Sometimes it's comments that looks like something, but then when you check it, it's perfectly fine. It's no problem. It's only a machine, you know. The machine does what it's programmed for. Okay, so the Chacham say, every animal that needed to, that you needed to ask a Chacham if it's kosher or not, even though if it said that it's kosher, I never touched it. Why? Because there was some kind of a doubt. I don't want to touch it. Is that the law? The answer is no. If the rabbi say kosher, it's kosher. Don't have to be uh, extra ex, uh, strict. But if you reach that level, why not? What do you have to lose? To force others to be like this, that's not allowed. You want for yourself, fine. And also you have to know that you do it not for pride. Why? Sometimes people don't really realize they do it, but they enjoy very much the attention that they get for it. The respect, the extra respect, they design the reputation that is extremely righteous. But it's really not doing it for the sake of heaven, which I'm going to talk about it in one of the next uh, lectures. What does it mean for the sake of heaven? What does it mean not for the sake of heaven? So he was Achmir Anafshe, someone who is strict for himself, it's fine. Israel. We are not talking general laws for every Jew in the world, right? We are talking for unique individuals that they reach a very high level and they want to live according to these standards. Yeah, so that's, we call it, in the language of the Talmud, you call it Bnei Aliyah, people that are on the top, which means Aliyah means uh, going up the hill, right, or, or going up the stairs something that is above everything, so reaching that level. So there are people who are in that league, they're on the top of the pyramid. This is the kind of people that we, we are talking about right now, this minute. The Gemara says, Amar Marukba, what does it say? It says like this, Ana behai milta chala bar chamra legabe abba. I, when it comes to being a righteous, to being tzaddik, I am a vinegar, a son of a wine. My father was the wine, a good, great wine. Compared to my father, I'm a vinegar. Vinegar, why? Wine that becomes sour, becomes vinegar. They all came from the grape. Used to be wine. But if you compare me to my father, I'm like a vinegar. What's the deal? Why? My father, once he ate meat, right? He didn't even eat cheese until the next day. Even six hours wasn't enough for him. If he ate meat at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, for let's say, he won't eat meat, milk until tomorrow morning. Yeah. You know, almost 24 hours. So six hours wasn't enough for him. So I ate meat, it's in my stomach, maybe something left, I don't want to touch anything dairy. Is that the law? No, six hours you have to wait, right? So he didn't eat any cheese or anything dairy until the next day. Vani and me, I'm eating in my next meal, which is six hours later, you know? And, but the Ramchal say, it's obvious that the law wasn't like his father. Because if there was the law, we're talking about Mar Ukba was a very holy man, 
He will never violate the rule. Even we don't do this. So he will do it, of course not. So what's the point is? The point is that he's talking about being extra strict. I wasn't extra strict like my father. And the third one, it's when a person isolates himself from a group in his customs, in his general behaving, which means Everyone works and learn and keep mitzvot. He doesn't want to go to these places. He says, putting me down. I got to isolate myself. I want to live 100% spiritual life. Everything in his life, he check why Hashem did this, why this is like this. Why He look at the leaf. He pick a leaf that fell from the tree. He looks at that. He says, Hashem, I wonder why you did it like this. So his entire life is connected to Hashem. He's here in this world, but he's really not in this world. He's not mingling with anyone. He's living in, there are people like this. They isolate themselves from the world. They live with the books, with the Torah and Hashem. They're very, very happy, these people. But how many people can live like this? It's not so simple. So is that the law? Is that what the Torah says you must do? No. You have to live. You live whatever you need. You have to make a living. You make a living. You have a family. You get married, whatever. Yes. And at the same time, you have to keep the mitzvot. And of course, there's no... No chance to say that someone that is working, it doesn't affect his spirituality. You don't find one person in the world that goes to work and can claim that if he wouldn't go to work, his spiritual level would be just as good. No, just as, just as bad. When he goes to work, no matter what, he always bring you down. The people you deal with, all kinds of non-religious Jews, goyim, people who cares, people who cheat, people who lie, people get angry, you deal with kinds of things, automatically it attracts your attention. Even if you deal with very nice, polite people, right, and even if they dress modest, whatever, the fact that you are busy with so many secular things in your job automatically takes your attention away from your obligation, from your Torah, etc. So even, it's just enough that you dress, for instance, if you're a mechanic, you already wear this suit, it's already bringing you down spiritually, right? Because the clothing of a person affecting his inside. If I, I give you an example, if a person walks with shorts, cut, sleeves, nothing, you know, he walks, baseball hat, he doesn't feel the obligation, I'm representing God. He may do in the street things that he will never do with his Shabbos suit when he goes next to the yeshiva or to the synagogue. His suit already obligates him. Or even forget religion, take a goy, dress with his sports outfit. He speaks in a different way. When he puts his work suit, automatically becomes an intelligent, intellectual, speaks like a professor. Why? The clothing affecting him psychologically. The clothing. I remember I took a friend of mine to the autistic kids. Well, by now it's 14 years ago, 13 years ago. And he came dressed 100% like ultra-Orthodox person. And the autistic kids started to attack him. Shame on you. Why you dress like a goy? Why? He wear jeans, he wear baseball hat, he, he works with the black people in Jamaica, he doesn't want to go with the yarmulke, he doesn't feel comfortable among them. So he want to look like one of the brothers. <laughs> so he has a hat. You know, he comes, they don't know who he is, you know? So, so right away he started to attack him. Shame on you. Why you, why you dress like a goy? So he started to tell him, what do you care about how I dress? It's the inside what counts, not the outside. So he answered him. I never forgot that. He told him, no, 
the outside bring you to a better inside. It starts from the outside, and then it goes and penetrates and changes you from inside. Like everything else in life. If you're not convinced, if you don't walk with a yarmulke on the street, put a yarmulke one week, and you see how you behave different. With the girls, with your boss, with your friends at work, the way you walk on the street, the way you talk on the phone on the subway, everything changes. Just a piece of $2, $5 you put on your head, you become a different person. And then if you do it for a year, then you get used to the new you. You get used to the new thing. Yeah, it starts as an act. You're acting, like everyone else in life. Everyone is acting. But this act eventually becomes your nature, like everything else, yeah? So, Chazal uh, say, however, the, the, the way of a person that he should be involved with society. You do things, you teach people, you learn from people, you come, you help, you do chesed. Yeah? But if a person knows that's his weakness and the area where he lives, mingling with people, bringing him down, of course it's better to isolate himself. person should always connect to the good ones. For everything he does in his life, learning, learn from the best. Make a living, go attach yourself to the best ones, the business people. And you want to improve your personality, attach yourself to someone honest, decent, that everyone loves and respects. This is a great way to elevate yourself. Why? It's like a Sefer Torah walking next to you and giving you a perfect example, demonstration. Person should talk as less as possible. Don't talk non-stop like a machine. Talk only what's important. Because usually conversations about high and da brings to Lashonara. Try to watch your eyes down, not around what's happening on the street. This was written 250 years ago when you couldn't find an atmadist woman on the street. But he still wrote it. And today, it's accepting a much bigger meaning. Okay, so... We finish chapter 14. We're moving now to chapter 15. How do you gain the skills to isolate yourself from all the negative, from pre-shoot? Here is the best recommended way is that a person would calculate on every pleasure that life has to offer, every physical pleasure. Put the, the fun, what they say in America, I want to have fun. So put the pleasure on one side of the scale and then take all the negative who comes out of it on the other side of the scale. For instance, a person wants to, do, wants to eat a delicious steak. How long is the pleasure? Three, four minutes, five minutes. Pleasure, five minutes. Not always, not always it comes good. Most of the time it's hard, this, that, too much fat, not enough fat, got dry, too well done. You know, all kinds of problems. Right. Yeah. But finally, let's say it's good. So you enjoy five minutes. Now let's put on the other side. Price, $75. A full day of work. Good steakhouse. Glad kosher, big, nice steak. $75. Then, so you have to work many hours for that five minutes pleasure. Already, it does, it's not a good deal. Who wants to work seven, eight hours in order for him? To enjoy five minutes doesn't make so it's a very bad investment. So already that's it. It should be right away enough for him not to touch it, right? But some people say, you know what? It's still not enough reason for me. Problem after that, 
is not healthy. Second, you get used to it, so you want more and more and more. And automatically, there's one rule that the more meat you eat, the more the evil inclination becomes stronger in your body. That's why the Kabbalists only eat meat on Shabbat, not during the week. Don't find Kabbalists to eat meats during the week. Only on Shabbat, Shabbat is a special holy day, you have extra protection. And also, Lichvot Shabbat is mitzvah to, to have pleasure in the food also. Extra mitzvah. So all the bad that it's while you're doing that desire, while you're fulfilling this desire, and what can come out of it? It's not only what you, what's the negative right now. Negative right now is one thing. But then there is other negatives who will be born later. And it will, it will attract the person to the negative nature to chase and run after pleasures until it will be very difficult to get saved. His eyes would open up, and he was always seek for bigger and bigger pleasure, right? And this is what this is how it started with Adam. You know, first the the wife Chava Eve, she saw that the tree is beautiful. It's amazing in her eyes. The, the image of the tree was amazing. Even today we see trees, it's breathtaking. How beautiful colors these in, in, in times of blooming. It's amazing. What a great creation. So that's already an attraction, the beauty. And then right after that, then after that she tasted from it. And then what happened after that? Her eyes opened up and they started to realize certain things that they didn't know before. So they're not anymore uh, uh, naive like they were before. They open up their eyes. And in the end, all the problems who came to humanity after came from that. So it's all started with the eyes, into the taste, and into what happened later on. So uh, it says the Ramchal continue, the pleasure in food is until it arrives the throat. Once a person swallow, the pleasure is over. So between the time he enters the mouth, chewing it, feeling the, ple the, the, the pleasure of the flavor, and swallowing, we're talking a matter of few seconds. Few seconds, that's it. Few seconds, pleasure. And it goes, once it goes into the stomach, it's like never happened. It's over. Pleasure is not continuing. How many sicknesses come to the person from stuffing himself with food? And usually, the more delicious the food is, the more unhealthy it is. You can see today with all the chemicals, all the, uh, the, the chemical they add to the food, what they call it? Uh, uh, preservatives. preservatives. No, not preservatives. Preservatives, well, they have MSG, all these things, increasing flavor, fat, cholesterol, so many, all the delicious foods, sweet, sugars, it's all delicious, but it's, it's a killer. The more a person would pay attention to the sicknesses who can come from food, and the smoke and the steam who comes from the stomach into the brain and make a person tired, makes the person tired, and makes him heavy and gain weight. And when a person becomes heavy, his knees one day begin to hurt, and his feet, and, all, and his back, and all kinds of things like this. So one thing leads to another, right? When a person gets used to check carefully 
A person will check carefully every little detail, right? Then he will come to a conclusion that he does not pay to run after these temporary pleasures. And he will only take from the world what he really must take, nothing else. That's what I need. Quarter pound of food, I'm, I'm full now, I can sit right back and learn Torah without heavy stomach, without heavy head. If I'll be hungry in four hours, I'll eat again. Right now, what happened? Person goes to lunch. This, that, dessert, cake in the end, this, drinking that. He gets from the chair like a balloon. <laughs> I have to walk him to the door. Moshe, come, the door is here. Already dizzy. He had so much. Now you ask him, come learn Gemara. You know, in Yeshivot, they don't serve heavy meals. Only at night. One heavy meal at night, because anyway, you go to sleep, so. But during the day, they know, you give one time a heavy meal, chicken, uh, uh, meat, forget about it. After five minutes, everyone is on, their head is on the floor, you know, on the, on the table. So you see, why? Because all the blood goes to the stomach to digest the food. There's no, not enough blood to keep, you, to keep you awake. The blood takes away your energy to all the body, to the head, to oxygen, to everything, whatever a person needs. So... Usually, people who run after pleasure, they go very well with all the ministers and all the big shots in the parties that they have, the fancy party, what we call today black tie event, right? And they go to this black tie event, their desire will become triple and triple, more and more and more. Why? Because they learn new things from these people, you know? And then he's already a prisoner of his evil inclination and he's in a real danger. But when a person isolates himself from all these things, as David Amelech spoke about isolation, better to be isolated from all these desires, right? And he says like this, Mi iten li ever alin ba sela. If I had wings like a dove, I would right away fly all the way to the desert to be there on my own. He didn't have wings, so he took his sheep, and was hiding always on the mountains with his flute and Torah. And that's what he did most of his life until he became the king. He was always alone. No friends, no nothing. Today, someone who doesn't have friends, you look, you look at him, oh, poor guy. He, look, he's not, uh, it's not uh, you know, his social situation is horrible. Nobody wants to be his friend. But a smart person should run away from friends. Let me be isolated somewhere with my book, no headache, no nothing. What do you need friends for? You have the best friend up there. It's like a trillion friends combined won't be equal. If you really be his friend, you are protected 100%. You won't need people to help you. What people need friends for? To play cards? To play sheshbesh? To go together to a baseball game? To sit, eat lunch together? One positive you can find about this? What for? Besides learning Torah. Anything positive come from friends? Besides Lashonara, jealousy, fighting, uh, sticking a knife in your back in the end? So, so this is just an example of what we're talking here about. And then the prophets Eliyahu, Elijah, and Elisha, we found them, they specializing a place for themselves on the mountain and speaking to Hashem when they're alone. And also, person has to be very careful 
not to jump from A to Z in one shot. You gotta build yourself and establish yourself step by step in a right in a right uh, tempo, not going from zero to to a hundred right away because you will collapse, right? So olech veporesh meat meat. You became religious yesterday. You don't run and hide in a mountain with your books. Not yet, my friend. First, learn a few years. Learn how to learn. Learn how to read. Learn how to understand. And eventually, when you can become independent and you feel that you don't need all this talking and wasting time, that's a different story. But right now, you go in the right order until eventually, you know, you'll get used to it and it will become your nature. You won't suffer. If you do something, you will go to the extreme and you suffer from it, that means you are not ready for it. I'm talking in the extreme. The obligations, you have no choice. You like it, you're ready for it. You're not ready for it, you must do. There's nowhere in the Torah you say, well, you can keep Shabbos, but once you feel ready for it. There's nothing like this. You must keep no matter who you are. Even you just discover it five minutes before Shabbat, you're not ready, you don't know what to do. You already must keep. Yeah, so let's move on. Uh, we are now talking about Midat Tara, chapter 16. Yes, you can see some chapters are much two pages. Some are many pages, but some are very short. Chapter 16 is purifying the heart and the brain. The heart is the source of the evil inclination and all the desires, and the brain is the thinking, judgment, decisions, what to do, planning. It's all come from the brain. David Amelech say, in Tehillim, Psalms 51, verse 12, Create for me a new heart, please. Clean from all the dirt, from all the desires. And Ruach Nachon, Ruach, it's a spirit. Put the correct spirit in, inside of me. Why? That I should be closer and closer to you. The concept here is that a person should never let the evil inclination control his actions. Everything he will do, will do from the wisdom side and not from the desire side. How many people can raise their hand and say, everything I do in my life comes from my brain. I judge everything and then I decide what's correct, what's right to do. I do whether it's hard, whether it's easy. I do what needs to be done in the correct way. How many people can say it? Most of what we do comes from the desire, from the pleasure, from the stomach, from the ego, from the jealousy, from anger, from whatever we do. But that's not the right energy. The energy moves you, if you have a car, you need gasoline. You put milk, it's not the right energy. You put uh, honey, it's not the right energy. You have to put what you need. What do you need? You need to act through the head to judge what it's based to do, doesn't pay to do, maybe I can do better, etc. So King Solomon wrote, In everything you do, there is a way to know God. You're a doctor, you can see God every minute in front of you. You're an engineer, you can see him. You're a teacher, you're a driver. Everything you do in life, you can see him. Problem is, people have eyes and they're blind. They don't, want, they don't choose to see. If you want to see, you will see. 
once Hashem sees that you're searching for Him in everything in a creation and everything you do, He will straight you in the right direction. There are different kinds of people who does not for the sake of heaven. There's different levels of not for the sake. There is a level that a person does for the sake of heaven, L'shem Shamaim. And there are people who does not for the sake of heaven. But even the people who does not for the sake of heaven, there are different levels. Not everyone is bad as the other. Let's break it to few categories. There are people, the worst one, that a person that does a mitzvah, he does a good deed, supposedly, only for his personal gain, such as cheating people. Gaining money, getting respect, getting control over them. That's 100% sin. No mitzvah at all. It's not that it's a mitzvah, but it wasn't for the sake of heaven, but you still have some reward. This is 100% a crime. Nothing positive about it. That's the worst one. The Gemara says, in Yerushalmi Brachot, the Gemara says, Noach lo shenefcha shiliato al panav will be better off not to be born, that the placenta of his mother will turn around and choke him in his face, that he won't come out if he came to the world and he became such a crook in the name of the Torah. This is what I always warn people. Be very careful. There are some people who at one point of their life, they somehow, either they decided or it happened to them somehow, they became 100% crooks in everything they do. And all they care about is getting money and honor and, uh, and control and this and that, and they, the name will be all over, all kinds of things like this. And you, if you're clever, you see it right away. You see how much they run after their respect, how much they talk about give me, give me money, give me, drive me, why you don't do for me, you're ungrateful, you this, that, everything is about them. You didn't put me first. Why you put me to sit here? Next time you get me on the stage, what's going on with you? I won't come again. All kinds of things like this that you see lousy politicians in the name of the Torah. So this is what the Gemara says. will be better off they'll choke with the placenta of their mother and not come to the world. What an expression. You know? And there are different kind of people who do not for the sake of heaven, but they want to get a reward. Most of us is like this, which means a person begin to keep Shabbat, because he heard the rabbi say Shabbos is the source of blessing. So I need some blessing in my life. Maybe really it's going to make my life better. Is that the reason to keep Shabbat? No. What's the right reason? It's a covenant God made with us. He told me to keep. Yes, sir. That's all. I love it. I don't love it. Blessing, not blessing. Make money, lose money. What is this? It should not even be a thought, Bechlal. Most people, why people go to pray? They need Parnassah. They need Parnassah. You know what's the test if a person does pray for the sake of heaven or not? If a person, Hashem, comes to him in a dream and say, I want to tell you, don't waste your time praying. I'm not going to accept any one of your prayers. Would he still go to pray every day or no? What do you think? Yes. yes. Some people won't go. And if he will go, so it doesn't matter. It's halakha that I have to get to pray. Hashem told me I won't listen to your request. Fine, I know. Still do it. Why do it? Because that's the right thing to do. Doesn't listen, he don't listen. 
Same thing, let's say there are some people who they will only come to teach Torah if you pay them. Right. So is it wrong? People need to make a living, no? How is he going to eat? How is he going to feed his children? How is he going to send them to yeshiva? How is he going to pay his rent or mortgage or car? Or cost money to come, no? So nothing is wrong about it. You know what wrongs about? What can be wrong about it? That if one time you get a call from someone who cannot really afford to pay him, and he say, we don't really, I'm not going to be able to pay, so. And he say, oh, in that case, find someone else. Then you know that it's not for the sake of heaven. To make a living, he takes all his time, he puts in the public. How is he going to live? From the, he will eat leaves from the tree. What would he do? There's a lot of expenses. But if once in a while he wasn't get paid, or they didn't pay him, or they couldn't afford, and this, and they offer him to come to do the mitzvah, just like a doctor. Doctor makes a living, no? He takes care of his patient. But what happens if it's a poor person calls him? He said, doctor, my tooth is killing me. I have pain, but I cannot pay you the root canal, whatever it is, or the filling. Or... So the doctor, most of them would say, I'm very sorry, I'm here to make money. A righteous doctor would say, don't worry about it. Come, you pay when you have. Then you know who does for the sake of heaven and who does for the sake of his stomach. That's a test. Same thing with your kids. Some kids will only do if you give them something. Once in a while you tell them, now you're going to do it purely for the mitzvah. Nothing you get. No, I won't do it. No, I don't want to do it. So you know, they do it for themselves. They're egoistic. You say, okay, no problem. Or it can get to a, be- a bigger level that you offer them something and they say, no, I don't want. That's already, you know, your kids are be'emet tzaddikim. But in this generation, it's very hard to find. In this generation, even if you tell them, I give you X amount of money, and he say that he will accept it, later the next day he comes and say, you never gave it to me. Still owe me. <laughs> he forgot already. The candy is digested. He forgot. Remember a week ago you promised me? This is what's happening today. Someone like that, that he does for the reward, only for the reward. It's, no, it's, not, a, it's not a sin to expect a reward. If, if I do it, it's and God will reward me. What's wrong? God wants to reward. It's his pleasure. That's why he put us here, to reward us. You, you happy to reward me? I'm happy to receive your reward. But is, am I doing it only for that? That's the question. If yes, then it's not such a good thing. It's not for the sake of heaven. So the Gemara says like this in Psachim Nun, Psachim page 50. The Gemara says, Le'olam yasok adam batorah mitzvot. Person will always be busy with Torah, learning Torah and committing the mitzvot. Why? Sha'afilu shelo lishma. Even if it does not for the sake of heaven, mitoch shelo lishma ba lishma. Starts not for the sake of heaven, eventually will become for the sake of heaven. On which category Chazal spoke? Someone who does to receive reward, not to receive money for and cheat the people and gain power and control. That's a wicked person. That person will, it will never come to be kosher. If a person come, I'm going to do this and this and that to get money out of people. He will never turn into a tzaddik. Because he's doing it, he's cheating, stealing, cheating, stealing, cheating, stealing. 
What do you expect? In the fourth time, it's going to be not cheating, not stealing? No. It's only going to get worse. He will steal more and more and more until the Chilul Hashem will be all over television. But someone who does for the reward, there is a high chance that one day he's going to do for purely for the mitzvah, not for the reward. After he gets used to it, he loves it, he understands the importance of this mitzvah, I say, you know what, even if there was no reward, I would still do it. Sometimes a person does a mitzvah 100% for the sake of heaven. Only for that. Why? Because this is the decree of Hashem. But after that, he begins to mix things that are not for the sake of heaven. After he did the mitzvah purely, people gave him compliments. Wow, what a great mitzvah you did, what a great schut you have. Sharkoach, Hazaku Baruch, we appreciate it. May the whole entire nation of Israel will be like you. So he begin to walk like this. Ah, wow, look how much I'm gaining, how much kavod. Everyone bowed down to me like Haman. Beautiful, you know. More, more, a little more, it's not enough. He did the mitzvah for the sake of heaven. What came later, it's a big test. Remember who you are. Stay down to earth. One of the ways, sometimes you see someone is learning many years and become really a Talmud Chacham. He's already in the level of a rabbi without a doubt. But nobody noticed that yet. So he dressed normally, regular short jacket, no special hat, nothing like titles of a rabbi, nothing. Once people begin to give him respect, all of a sudden he changes clothes. I don't understand. What? Why do you have to start all of a sudden to dress with all these customs and all that for? What is it for? What does he gain? What does it give? Cannot be chacham and stay normal, dressed like everyone else? Why does it have to be? Next thing he wants this, next thing he has a shamash, next thing he doesn't want to fast, uh, fly economy, only first class, Peter bothering me. It's not already I'm sitting in the middle of the plane and everyone comes to me and says, Rabbi, I have a question. You know, some rabbis are famous. So they sit in a plane, 400 people, everyone who pass by, oh, Kvod Arav, give me bracha, shalom, ze. no, so what's the problem? No, it, it disturbs me. So he's going to pay an extra $4,000 on a ticket because he doesn't want to mingle with some Jews that maybe can get a good advice from him and a good bracha for him, and maybe he's going to tell him, put filin and put, uh, keep Shabbat. So that's the problem, I understand. People don't realize that it's gava. It's 100% ego. They have, believe me, very convincing answers. If really honest, everything is baloney. Even the big chief rabbi in the world would make a much bigger impression seeding economy with everyone. The biggest one in the world. We're not talking very old, that is very suffering, he needs maybe a bigger chair. I'm not talking about this. I'm saying someone that knows as a giant, and he sits just with everyone. Or on the bus. Hey, Rav Volbe. Rav Volbe was one of Gdolei Ador, taking a bus. Rav Benzion Abba Shaul, the biggest chacham in the world. Got on a bus. They offered him a driver and a car. The government has budgets for religion. Didn't want. Take a bus. He came in a wedding. If you didn't know who he is, you never know is somebody special. Regular hat, everything, jacket, short, finish. You understand? So this is, this is it. This is what he's talking about. And the Gemara gives an example. The Gemara gives an example of 
the daughter of Rabbi Hanina ben Tardeon, who is one of the Asara Aruge Malchut, the tenth one that was slaughtered by the Romans. One of them is Rabbi Hanina ben Tardeon. He had a beautiful daughter, what we call today a model. And the models have a special way that they walk to attract attention. They don't walk normal like they go shopping in a supermarket. Special way to attract the Yetzirah, no? So she was walking beautiful steps, the Gemara say, if you know what, that, what it means, on the street, to attract attention to her beauty. And when the Roman soldiers starting to say, ooh, ooh la la, wow, look at her, she started to walk much more nicer. So the Ramchal say, where did she get that extra energy to walk nicer now? From the compliments that she got. So this is what can happen to a person. She did something negative to begin with, and now she made it much more negative. And even someone who does something positive, once he begins to get the compliment, oops, the Satan takes your reward right into the punishment. <coughs> you understand? The Ramchal say, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that if someone does also for the reward, that it's completely cancelled. No. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very fair and honest, and he gives everyone exactly what they deserve. But he takes away a lot from the perfectness of this mitzvah. It's not so perfect. And since it's not perfect, obviously, you know, it's, you know, it's not the ultimate reward. King David wrote, Your word, God, is very pure. Tsaruf means it's like the silver and gold that you clean it and you get it to the highest level of cleaning. Purify it. That's the right word. Purify it. Your Torah is pure. And I love it. Your servant, which is me, Avdecha Aheva. Not, I don't do it because you said only. I don't do it because I'm afraid of a punishment. I don't do it for the reward that you promise. I don't do it because I'm embarrassed from what people would say. I do it because I love it. That's, the, that's really the nice level. If a person got to a level that he loved to do it, enjoy from every minute, then that's, that's where we have to get. There's a special protection when a person made a mitzvah perfectly, perfectly, for the sake of heaven, not from the punishment, not from the reward, not from what people say, none of these things. Just because he wants to do it purely because Hashem wants it that way and it's, that's all his intention is. Somebody like this doesn't receive bad news ever. Protection which means he doesn't have tragedies in his life. Do things for the actual pure things. And when he speak the Torah, do it also for the sake of heaven. Why? To make the name of God glorify, to glorify his name. Someone who worship Hashem, follow him with pure heart, this is what they have to think. The test that we are testing 
This test that every servant of God is being tested is different one from the other. There are different levels. People who reach the highest level are judged differently than people who are in the middle or in the bottom. Much, much, much differently. What is it like, for instance, in sport, you have all the players of the league and you have one or two that are the diamonds of the league. An average player makes mistakes in a game. And people accept it as a part of the game. But the diamond, every tiny mistake, this, that, miss, didn't give a good pass right away. Wow, he had a bad day. What do you mean he had a bad day? I was the best one on the field. By far. No one comes even half of my performance. Well, we look at you different because we expect from you different. Same thing, Hashem. If you are in this level, my friend, from you I expect different. For him, let him eat. Go, let him eat, enjoy, snore on Shabbat, fine. What does he know? As long as he doesn't violate Shabbat, I'm already happy. But you, you're wasting time on this. Every day, no business, no problem, no headache, opportunity to learn six, seven, eight hours to gain Torah and Kedusha. And you snore after the chulent that you frest. It's not the same. You I'm upset with. Him, he doesn't know anything better. It's everything in life like this. Even with your children. One, you know his limitation. The other one doesn't have this limit. If they do the same thing, you don't judge them the same. You expect one more than the other. It's very perfectly normal. This is what Hashem said. Rachmana li Hashem wants the heart, not only the actions like a robot. The heart is dead and the hands are moving. It's nothing. The heart has to participate in the mitzvot. And Daila Adon Baruchu Bamasim Levadam. It's not enough, the actions. That the heart will be pure. And aiming to the perfect service and, the, and being a servant of Hashem. This is what King Solomon wrote in Mishlei, Chav Gimel, 23, verse 26. My son, give me your heart. You're, my son, give me your heart. You don't give me your heart, you just move your hands. Many people put feeling. How many people think about it? Like a robot. He doesn't even pay attention to what it is. Tefillin, covenant, me, Hashem. On my heart, on my soul, on my brain. Nothing. First day he put, they told him, so he remembered to, to have the right kavanah. That after that, 50 years, he doesn't ask him, did you put feeling today or not? He doesn't even remember. Did I? Didn't I? Don't remember. You went to shul today? I, I don't know, maybe. Forgot Bakhlal he was there an hour. Because his mind was somewhere else. Chapter 17. The way to reach this level, it can be easy and can be very difficult. Depend. If you already reach many years of efforts and you reach already very close to it, from now on it will be a lot easier to get to reach to become perfect. If a person is a beginner, he won't reach this level. He cannot reach this level. If the more he's going to try to be from zero to 100 in one shot, he's going to get frustrated. And in the end, the little, one that, the little things that he had, he would lose also. It's not so simple. If when a person thinks about how much he loses from the pleasure of this world, 
will be sick and tired of them and would look at them as a negative obstacle. And it would be clear to him, 100%, to separate himself from them and remove it also from his heart, which means doesn't desire it anymore. Right? And always calculate how much pleasure I'm going to get from this and how much I'm going to pay for it. And, now, and the answer would always be you pay a million times more than what you gain. So it's a very bad investment. So the same thing in business. I don't buy a stock knowing I'm going to lose. Right? Same thing in life. I don't touch something. I know I'm going to lose. It would be easier for him to purify his thinking, not to let the evil inclination fool him in any way, if he finally has to do something like this, to be with his wife or to eat with people, we have to do it. We need kids, we need there's all kinds of things. He will do it because this is the right thing to do according to God's plan. Not I'm not going to do it because I want the pleasure of it. I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And now, as a bonus, he also received the pleasure. Eating, you have to eat to be healthy. Ah, it's delicious, very good, I got lucky, so I got a bonus. And if it's not delicious, I won't have to do it, I still have to do it. You understand the idea here? So what comes first in your mind? The pleasure of the act or the mitzvah of the act? That's when you know when you turn from a just an ordinary person into a higher skill, higher level. Then, so you have to look at that like you anus. Like you are forced to. It's like someone put a gun to your head, listen, you have to have kids. This is a very high level. Remember, don't get the wrong impression. It's not a sin to enjoy. If it was a sin, Hashem wouldn't do it because there's no other way to do it. Hashem has no problem you enjoy. The problem is when you become addicted to the pleasure. That's you begin to run after it all the time. Where is it? Where? More, 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 more. It's never end. So... Purifying the soul, purifying the thoughts, we can cut it, we can divide it to two different categories. One, the one is in your physical action. And the second one in religion. What does it mean, walking, eating, sleeping, getting up, all these things, it's every day's life. The other one is in the spiritual actions. And also, the thoughts that you have to invest in order for you to get to this level, also you can divide them to two different categories. To purify your soul when you do physical things, your thoughts, you always have to calculate the loss that you're getting with, with the pleasure. What's the price? That's the bottom line. Every normal person, when he comes to buy something that would give him honor and pleasure and all kinds of things, what does he do right away? Calculate how much this pleasure is going to cost me. And most of the time, when we see the price of the pleasure, we dumped it right away. Right? If a person, if your friend told you, come, come to my restaurant, be my guest, come. Something like this really happened. And you come in and you see five different 500 different kinds of sushi, this and that, and oh, the best food. Wow, what a restaurant. Chef from Japan, chef from Iran. So he say, be my guest. So you, the food is extra delicious. 
Then in the middle, while you're fressing, they put the bill, $1,500 on the table. What happened to the pleasure in your mouth? Become poison. Right away. Right or wrong? So what do you see? This is what is, that's everything in life. Everything in life. Once the person think about the price, so the five minutes pleasure of eating, how much I'm losing, how can I enjoy it? So I don't run after it. The problem is when a person thinks it's for free, he enjoy. When he knows it costs, no pleasure. Same thing in the scenes. A person knows the price of the scene, how can he enjoy from the scene? How can he enjoy? When he thinks about what what's the bill is on the way to me now, he cannot enjoy, ma. So this is what it means. To purify the thoughts in everyday's action, you have to focus on the price and how much you lose with that, right? And the tricks, and how many times you were fooled by this desire already? And what did you gain doing it 20 years? Did you get you anywhere? Nothing. You're heavy like a balloon, and you're lazy, and you're dizzy, and you cannot learn, and you're stuffing yourself, and nobody wants to marry you because the way you look. And there's many, many problems with all these desires. Right? Now you're moving into the next level. You're going into the level of shvach and teila. Right? And you neglect all the compliments that people would give you for what you do and focus only how will I be attached to my master. And this is what the Torah says in Tvarim Yud, Deuteronomy, verse 10. Hashem is your praise, your glory, He is your God. First, you have to know one rule. You don't just jump into the mitzvah. Like some people come, enter the shul, right away. From the street, from the noise, from the telephone. It will take you 20 seconds until you set your mind. By the time you already begin to think, oh, I'm in shul and I'm praying, you already say modin. What happened until now? You were not here, you were in the street. The Hasidim Rishonim, in the time of the Gemara, one hour before davening, they came to shul to prepare for the prayer. Walking in a shul, thinking, I'm about to stand in front of God. Wow, I'm excited. It's an, an important moment. I have a meeting, not with Obama. <laughs> you have a meeting with Obama, you go have a haircut, fix your hair, spray, clean your mustache, whatever. The, the wedding suit. Where is your wedding suit? Wow, we cannot close it. So you get some weight. You went to the tailor a day before, opened it up. What happened? Obama. Walk without a shirt on the beach in front of the camera. Obama. Still the president. Stand in front of Hashem. Shorts, sandals, mechanic clothes, grease. <laughs> so what's the excuse? I'm doing it every day. I promise you, if you meet Obama every day, you still be very careful how you get dressed, even every day. People who work for him, do you think they come with shorts to meet him? 
Imagine his advisor come, short, sneakers, cracks. Well, what are you doing, Mr. X? Ah, you know, we buddies already. We worked together four years. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But in front of Hashem, everything is fine. No problem. So it says like this. Don't ex- enter the mitzvah suddenly. Your mind is somewhere else. Prepare for it. I'm about to put fill in. That's why they in the Sidurim, they have all these things. It's preparation for the prayer. But how many people think about what they say? I say to people, the only way you have to say Hashem Yichud if you think what you say. If not, don't say it. It's a waste of time. Here I come to do this mitzvah. But if you say it and you look at your phone while you're saying it, so what's the point? Or you're listening to somebody else talking. This is preparation for the mitzvah. So think, who am I going to do this mitzvah for? In front of who? Get rid of all the negative right now. All the personal things in my mind. What's, what do I gain? What do I don't gain? Forget about it. Just focus on what you have to do right now. And set your mind to the right attention. Intention also. The Gemara in Brachot, as I told you, chapter, uh, page 30, the Gemara says, Hasidim Rishonim, Hayu Shoim Sha'a Achat Kodem Tfilatam. They were waiting one hour before the prayer, and Achar Kach Mitpalelim. Yeah, today it doesn't even take an hour to pray. They took them more, longer than today just to prepare to start. And you know that this kind of people never wasted a minute in their life. Before he passed away, and the Gaon Mivilna, they were able to tell you how many minutes in their entire life they wasted, to count the minutes. Can we count one day how many minutes we waste? There's no way to calculate. An hour here, half an hour there, three hours there, two hours there, five minutes. Every day, adds to billions of, of, of minutes that we lost in our life, right? So what's going on here? So it says like this, even though they never wasted a minute, they still took an hour to prepare for the prayer. Just to show you how important it is to do the mitzvah in the right way. And were clean their mind from all the business and other things that they had in it. First, let me clean my mind. Now I understand, finally I'm ready. It's like a person who comes to record the video. You know how many preparation they do? You ready? You okay? You know what you have to do? Wait, wait, let me repeat it. Ah, da. Okay, action, start. It doesn't come from the street, it comes with his bag. Okay, good evening, today. Your mind is on the street. You park the car, this, guy, someone asks you, give me a few minutes to focus. So, it says like this. If you prepare your heart and open your hands towards Hashem, that's the right thing to do. And also, there is two kinds of prostitution. 
prostitution of a woman that used all her tricks and mind to attract the sin, and prostitution of the mind, prostitution of the heart, I should say. What does it mean, prostitution of the heart? That a person does all the negative, all the negative, to attract, to attract, as the Torah says like this, all the machshavot chitzoniot, all the external things that are nothing to do with the mitzvah, he mixes it, brings it into the thing before he starts doing it, and of course it leads to the wrong thing. Don't follow your heart and your eyes that you zonim acharehem. What does it mean zonim acharehem? Watching the wrong thing, looking the wrong thing, listening to the wrong things brings a person to his own prostitution. What's prostitution? Following all the sins. Havalim, dimyonot kozvim, lots of illusions, all kinds of infatuations, dreaming, hallucinating. If a person is not preparing before he does something spiritual, he will never ever get the negative out of his system. If he doesn't take the mitzvot seriously, ah, you want to pray with your shorts, with your nalebayit, which means it's not important for you. The effect of the mitzvot on your life will not be as it should be. Everything you do, you learn, you don't learn serious, telephone, getting up every minute, comes out, you always find in a lecture. In a lecture, everyone who gets a phone call is a doctor. Can't wait another 20 minutes until he return the phone call. Everything is emergency. Right away, he gets up, goes out, hello, what happened? If it would cost him one dollar every time he gets up, he won't go. Not to lose a dollar. But to lose uh, five minutes of divrei Torah for a stupid phone call, who is on the phone? Who? Who is on the phone? Your sister wants to know how you're doing, if you took a haircut or not. Who is on the phone? Your employee that he wants to know where is the key. So let him wait 20 minutes. What happened? You're in an important meeting now. Sit and listening to Hashem. But people don't take it serious. That's why they replace it in a minute with nonsense. Nonsense. Okay? I'm not talking, someone is life risk, if you're really a doctor, fine, it's a different story. It's an emergency, sometimes it's, you justify getting out of the shiur or of the davening, yes. The doctors have a telephone on Shabbat with them in a, in a shul. Sometimes it's buzz, in the middle of Shabbat, they go out, they answer the phone, it's an emergency, fine. It's no problem. But all other phone calls, what emergency they are? What happens if you sleep? They wouldn't be able to reach you, no? So, Not only that you're not creating anything positive spiritually, you make it smell so bad. It so stink. What is it like? A person wants to make delicious food. Delicious. He comes, he buys the vegetables, he goes to the butcher, buys the meat. He goes to the bakery, buys the pastry, so much effort. He wash everything, clean, cut, do, bring, prepare the spices, put the oil, put everything, cut everything. In the end, he take a little bit from the bathroom, what he just did a minute ago, and put inside. All the efforts were there. You pray. 
same thing. He pray five minutes, you pray five minutes. Right? He came with a jacket, you came with a jacket. He puts his hat, you put your hat. You, came to the, you drove to the synagogue, he drove to the synagogue. But you only put something that he didn't put and you own everything. This is when you're, done, you're not doing it serious. Just doing it because you have to do it. You do it with love, with attention, with respect. It's a billion times better. Remember what he wrote here. Not only that it's not a mitzvah, sometimes you come to shul and you're actually lost. Like those people who come to the synagogue on Shabbat to talk politics. Did you hear? Who's going to be the new mayor? I just saw something. I, was, I just came from Canada yesterday. So I went to a place, very nice people. They met the place where, where they took me to pray, nice people. And I saw a person that naturally is also a nice person. I met him in my, one of my previous visits. Friendly, nice, polite. But I saw something incredible. He was sitting in front, I was sitting here, he was sitting in front of me. He has tefillin, talit, I have everything. Then somebody came, mamash two minutes before the baruchu. One person was late to the shul. So he puts, comes to put his talit tefillin, and, and he started to talk. Now after baruch shamar, you're not allowed to make a beep. After baruch shamar, nothing, not, not to talk anything. Till you, you finish the shmonaisre. Not allowed to say one beep. If you say one word, it's like cutting the, the prey in the middle with the scissors. So I see this respectable person speaking to him maybe a minute and a half. <laughs> and then, after that, smoke comes out of my ear. Smoke comes out of my ear. I see the Gabai. He, he comes to him. He's the one who's going to pray now. I said, I'm thinking to myself, Am I Yotze with him? Not. Does it come to me tefillah b'minyan? Maybe it's, I woke up so early to come here for minyan, and then it would count like I pray by myself. <laughs> Thinking to myself, this is it. You come to do a mitzvah and you make a sin. Think about it. All this, imagine the frustration that a person come to Hashem, 70 years he come to shul every morning, gets up, hot, cold, you know, and Hashem said to him, not one time your prayer was good. Not one time. What? Frustrate? What? It's, I'm telling you, it's like a holocaust. Seventy years I come every day, I kill myself finding parking, this, all this, nothing. Nothing. Nothing, my friend. Not, nothing, it's good. Sometimes uh, now I have to punish you. For every day. You know what it means to talk after Baruch Shamar? What's the sin? Who knows why you're not allowed to talk after Baruch Shamar? What's the sin? The worst sin you can think of. What's the sin that the Torah said that if someone does it, Hashem will not forgive him and he cannot make tshuva for it? There's only one time in the Torah that it says like this. What is it? Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem, in a time of death, a person can be forgiven. But there's one. No. It's in the Ten Commandments. I'm giving you a hint. Don't take your name in vain? 
לא תישא את שם השם לשווא, don't say the name of Hashem for nothing, כי נקה לא ינקה, because God will not clean it, that sin will not clean it to you. Why are we saying the name of Hashem for nothing? Because the prayer is designed that you have a, a, a blessing in the beginning and a blessing in the end. What's, because we are going to praise God, to sing to Him. All the praises of King David. Right? What do we say? Baruch Hashem, Melech Mu'ulal, Batishbachot. That's how Baruch Shamar ends. So we say, we're coming to praise you, God. Bless you, God. Melech, the king. Me'ulal, praise. Batishbachot. Praise with praises. This is what we say. Right? Okay. Now we begin right away. Like when you eat, when you say a blessing. Baruch Hashem, Borei Priyayetz. You must eat right away from the apple. You're not allowed to talk. Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokim Lecham, Borei Priyayetz. Moshe, how are you? Eat from the food. First eat, swallow, then talk. Because you already did it. It has to be over la'asiyatam. Over la'asiyatam. Which means you did, you say the blessing on the drink. Here, the drink, like this. Opportunity to drink. I was thirsty, you know. בער, look what I'm doing. ברוך אתה אדוני, אלוהינו מלך העולם, שהכל נהיה בדברו. Now if I say ברכה and don't drink and begin to talk or play with my phone, if you say another word, it's problem, you're going to have to say the ברכה again, which means the first ברכה was the name of Hashem for nothing. So now when a person says ברוך שאמר, it finishes, or again, ishtabach shimcha la'ad, malkenu, right? Ishtabach, and in the end we say again a bracha. So the first bracha and the last bracha, it's like by food. Bracha rishona, bracha achrona, but this is for the praises. So when a person begins to say words that is not tishbachot la'ashem, how are you? You found parking? Ah, you're ready, it's late, we're not going to make it to the meeting. In the middle, after Baruch Shamar, did you hear who's the mayor? This is tishbachot la'ashem? Which means the first bracha was a lie. And you violate the Ten Commandments. And there are thousands of religious Jews who does it every day. Sit in a shul. He got already to Ishtabach, his board. Talks, no? When your wife is due. What is it your business now? After Baruch Shamar. How's business? Moshe, tell me the truth. Don't be afraid of Ainara. <laughs> this is how his prayer looks. Hallelujah, hallelujah, el bekotcho, hallelujah. Hold on, my wife is on the phone. Yes, no, now, uh. And some people in the middle of Shmona Yisrael, in my own eyes I see. And the phone rings, in the middle of Shmona Yisrael, he says, anachnu lach. Uh-huh. Fun of everyone. Clown. Do you see such thing in a church? <laughs> But they still respect the Hevel Varik. That's what's going on. So we finished chapter 17 today and time ran out. Bezrat Hashem next week remind me we're going back to the Monday schedule. Today we did a lecture on Wednesday because I, I was away. So we're back on uh, Monday 8.30. And we will start chapter 18, Be'ur Midat Chasidut, the most important chapter in this book. The chapter that we're going to start on Monday, this book was written by Ramchal in handwriting. And there was no, it was very difficult to get printing, so we're copying with a feather. And they delivered one copy to Vilna, to the Gaon Mi Vilna. 
And he read everything that we learned so far, he learned when he came to this chapter 18, Be'ur Midat HaChasidut, he got up, he wore his Shabbos clothes, he took his cane, and he said, tell me how to get to this Chacham. A huge, a huge light came to the world that was not before, not, not here before. I'm going to walk to see him. They told him, Rabbi, he's in Padova, Italy. Vilna, Italy, you have to walk six months. I'm walking to see him. He said, it's too late, he passed away. 38 years old. Almost 100 books. Most of them, nobody can understand the word. We only have uh, five or six that we touch. The rest is uh, maybe to the level of the angels. Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, don't miss Monday lecture. I know there was a confusion. We moved to Wednesday in the last minute, so maybe, did, maybe many people didn't come. But please remember, Sunday, it's eight summer schedule. The lecture started at 8.30. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.